I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but when my friend Clay Mason Bannerman and I want to impress our new lady friends, Tiffer and Mickey, we don't even have to take them to a restaurant. That's because we have an entire freezer stocked full of butcher box, and that includes high-quality meat and seafood that we can trust. It's so convenient. It's delivered right to our doorstep, and there's always free shipping. I mean, where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Tiffer and Mickey love it, and so will you. At least one of them is always around asking when the new ButcherBox is arriving. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash mega and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional 20 bucks off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com slash mega and use code mega to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus 20 bucks off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mega is an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional megachurch. We are here, the Lord, we are here, and we're ready, ready to What's up? It's your boy, Gray Haas, and this is Mega coming to you from Twin Hills Community Church, where we give our mega church a tiny family feel by introducing you to members of our church and staff every single week. You guys, I am just so excited. I don't know if that's the right word, but I am um, looking forward to my conversation today with someone that you all might know. He is uh, related to my co-host, Hallie Labonte, and his name is... Day Labonte. We've had some really good conversations together about being a young person and faith and trusting Jesus with your whole life and everything you do. And Day is really, I would say, growing in his faith and learning to ask the right questions and then get the right answers, which I am happy to provide. So without further ado, Day, how are you doing? Oh, thanks so much, Gray, and thanks for having me on. And um, thanks for some really great uh, climaxes lately. Uh, I've really been enjoying it. My friends and I, we love coming to climax, and um, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Uh, didn't you love the wiffle ball thing that we did the yeah, other day? Yeah, that was so awesome. Oh yeah, that was oh, so good. I had so much fun doing that too. Hey. I want to talk about suicide because your mom called me all bent out of shape and worried because she said at your school, you've been having a lot of assemblies about suicide. Um, And, you know, that is something that is on the rise among young people. I don't know why it's a bit it's a bit crazy, but day, I guess I wanted to reach out to you and just kind of put your mom's you know, mind at ease when it comes to suicide. Uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, do you know anybody that has done suicide? Uh, have you ever thought about doing suicide and all that? So what's going on with suicide in you day? Oh, um, well, uh, thanks. 
um, for caring and asking. Yeah, we've had a lot of assemblies and we have social workers talking to us about death and stuff like that. Um, I, I've told my mom that I'm not um, a danger uh, to myself. I, I, do, I don't really have uh, suicidal ideation, you know? I guess besides like the regular stuff that you sometimes get, like that's normal. Like when you, you get your feelings hurt and you're like, oh man, like, oh, wouldn't they be sorry or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I had a bad breakup or whatever, but like, no, I, I really, I actually think I'm kind of like scared to death to be honest. I have like anxiety about it. And, um, so I, I, just ease your fears and my mom's fears. Like I, I, I do know two different people. They weren't my friends, but I, I have known two people from my high school who have okay, committed let me, suicide. Let me just kind of near for a second. First off, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never thought about suicide ideation. Don't even know what that is because day, uh, really once you put your trust in Christ, you're not going to, Ever, and Jesus specifically. Right, exactly. You're never, ever going to want to think something like that because, you know what, buddy? Jesus died for our sins, and that death is the, you know, that, that is the victory over death. His death was the victory over death. So I know, you know, some of these things when you're a young person, you get all mixed up and you think, oh, I wish I was dead or whatever. But I'm just here to tell you, buddy, that you know death where is thy sting it is gone and so yeah i've never really thought about that stuff and i don't think you should too uh, you should sorry, talk to you, my mom about it because she says cult-like stuff where I'm like, mom, where she'll say things like, I don't even fit in in this liberal world anymore and heaven is my home and I'm ready to go be with God and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, like that's the threatening kind of language. Your mom says that. Yeah, you should definitely talk to her about it. Well, I don't think she's being suicidal there, Day. She's probably just, just being a bit dramatic. Well, I don't oh. think it's cult-like. I think she's just saying, you know, it's hard when this entire world is aligned against Christians like us. We really are a minority, and we're carrying forth the banner of Christ in the world. And we know that, you know, this world is not our home. And so, you know, sometimes that can be daunting for your mom because she's out there every single day trying to hide us, bringing people to Christ. And I'm sure that gets discouraging, but I don't think she's wishing for death. Okay. It is cult-like, though. And, what do you mean by cult-like? And also, day? Christians aren't the minority. They're like we're basically living in a theocracy in this country. I mean, right. God is on the money, and uh, you know, like the GOP is basically overrun. You know, like it's in partnership with evangelicals, and like I mean, it, it, the very calendar we use is based on Jesus and Christ specifically. So, hey, hey, hey uh, day. I what did I tell you when you walked in here? I said, "Hey, we're going to talk no about death. politics." I said, "We're going to talk about suicide." Okay, yeah. So let's keep it positive. Let's not talk about once you bring politics in the conversation. I mean, you make suicide depressing. So, okay, let's reset for a second. Let's talk suicide. Day, I want to be a good listener. I'm here for you, buddy. And I just want to know, what are you thinking about death? Is this haunting you or something? Well, I feel like because I grew up in the church, I'm used to being faced with death all the time. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, that is true. There is some death in the Bible, but there is a lot in the Bible that is not about death day. You know, there's the birth of Jesus. Right, where and, Herod killed all the babies born at the same time. So Jesus, you know, birth story is also a pretty big death story. Uh, okay, well, Nozak, you know, all the cute animals lining up two by two. 
so they could escape a mass genocide of the killing of all humanity, every single human being, as well as every other single species on the whole planet. Well, I guess, except for maybe like things that live in the sea, I guess. Okay, Day. I want you to think about these positive stories, David and Goliath with the slingshot. You know, oh, that's yeah. like a real underdog story. It's kind of like Rudy or something. Yeah, where he murdered a man with gigantism. Gigantism? Yeah, that's what it's called. How about Daniel interpreting dreams? Oh, yeah. yeah. Nebuchadnezzar? Oh, yeah, yeah. Where Daniel was, um, you know, uh, interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and foretelling the coming invasion of the Persian Empire that was going to conquer Babylon. Like, basically, death was coming for all of them. That's what those dreams were. I, I mean, I I guess, you know, Day, you don't have to burst every bubble. Moses, blanket, being saved by the princess, the pharaoh, the the, the oh, whole yeah. river thing. Yeah, good story. Where God's uh, people ended up having to kill animals and spread blood over their doorways to signal the, you know, God's angel of death. You know, like, don't kill our families because the death angel was moving through their civilization, killing all their newborn babies. I like to think of that as the icing on the cake, not the cake. I mean, what about Garden of Eden? Huh? Well, God placed a death tree okay. in there. Okay, look... If you're going to take all the stories that way, geez, I mean, you're just looking for death everywhere. And that's probably why he's so depressed about all the suicide stuff. No, no, it's okay, Grant. I mean, like, honestly, if you look at it, like, death is entirely central to so much of the story of Christianity. Like, someone had to be murdered like a lamb to slaughter so that you and I won't die. Well, after we die, we won't die. You know, isn't it funny that God promised, you know, eternal life, but the only way we can get there is to die? And, you know, then after that, that's the part we have no data on. Well, there's no data on, you know, data is not really a God thing. Okay. And, you know, eternal life, you don't need data. Okay. 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 I mean, eternal then, life. I mean, that's the hope, right? You know, you die and then you instantly discover that, you're like, yay, you're not actually dead. You're actually in paradise, you know, where there is no death. But either way, you got to die to find out. And truly, you know, death is just very central to all Christian thinking. I don't think so, Day. I think that is just what you are pulling out of it. You're kind of obsessed with this death piece, you know? It's not It's not the It's not the, the feature, it's the, it's the bug. I don't feel like I'm obsessed with death, but if I was, like, think about it. Where do you think I got it in terms of the stories that have been hammered on me my whole life? Like, you know, Jesus had to die to save us from death. God had to fill Judas with an evil spirit so that he'd get his only son killed and then kill himself, you know? So Jesus had to die, and Judas had to die, you know, because he made it that Jesus had to die. And the guys being crucified had to die, I think, because they stole stuff, stole stuff, I think. And, and then Satan and his fallen angels, they're all going to die when Jesus tries and everyone in Jericho had to die so that God's people could have a better place to live, you know. Day, do you like pizza? Yeah, I love pizza. And then when you get a pizza, are you always going, oh, I love pizza, but look at all this pepperoni. I don't like pepperoni. Pepperoni, pepperoni, pepperoni. No, you're not going out for pepperoni. You're going out for pizza. That's what you're doing to the Bible right now. You're just going... Oh, I, you know, I, I, I look at the Bible and go, I love it. Yes, there's some pepperoni and maybe I don't eat pepperoni, but I'm not going, it's all just pepperoni. Um, okay. So stop whining about all the pepperoni. That's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, I think our discomfort with death or our, our, our basically our abject fear of death is a big part of why we tell these stories of heaven and an afterlife. And, you know, it honestly, it might be a huge factor in why people are religious at all. 
And and I'm not saying that the fact that, you know, dying is inevitable for every single human being is the reason we have world religions, but it sure solves a big, huge, unmanageable fear for us, or it attempts to, like, maybe these religions, these are stories, like, they're trying to do some work on us, like, there's an intelligence there, like, passed down to help us understand the nature of reality a bit better, and maybe if we view them as allegories and metaphors, like, maybe they become really helpful, because the Bible's right, there is death all around us everywhere we look, I mean, look at, we've been living through a global pandemic for the past two years, and we've experienced a mass death event, <laughs> like, four million to five million people have died, I, that's million, not, that's not Good data. I actually. mean, death is inevitable and it feels unimaginable to us, maybe because we're all carrying this like almost like a, a current of consciousness. Like we are the holders of this current and we're walking around inside these mortal bodies that are degenerating. And that makes us feel a little bonkers because we sense an energy or something that's outside time, but we're trapped in time and we're going to die. Uh, they, okay. Okay. First off, I just want to say. That that COVID thing you said, it was old people, obese people, and old obese people with pre-existing conditions. So, <sighs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So That's what my mom that. says too. My mom, like, heard on Fox News that like, all like that people were dying of gunshot wounds and stuff, and and the hospitals were saying it was COVID deaths and stuff to like tick up the numbers and everything. Oh, they do but, that like, day. Believe me, I know. I, I know. I had a neighbor die of COVID. And, you know, he did have a P-resistant addition, but not a pre-existing condition. A, what? A P-resistant addition? Yeah. That, that's not a thing. Yeah. He used to always go and be on the side of his house. Was it an addition to his house? Yeah. A, a new part they put on. Okay, whatever day. <laughs> hey, I have a question. Do you ever try to remember before you were born? Like when you try to remember before you were born, what happens in your mind? Like what do you see or feel or sense or whatever? Honestly, Day, I only really remember the last 10 years and then everything before that, maybe 15 years. But, you know, then I'm so young, I can't even remember that stuff. And, I, you know, my life started when I accepted Christ and that's all I really remember. When I was a baby, I didn't know Christ, so I don't really remember it. Oh, it sounds like you have trauma. Like, uh, trauma, uh, a lot of times, like, really does mess with somebody's memory. Not at all. I feel great. Oh. Uh, well, sometimes I try to think about, I try to imagine or remember or sense, like, what it was before I was born. And, like, there's sort of nothing there. Like, I can't conjure anything. And, like, what if death is like that? Like, we didn't mind what it was like before we were born. In fact, it's been a lot more painful since we were born. But then again, like, what if death isn't nothingness? Like, what if death is, like, better? What if it's a rite of passage or a transformation and it's way better than all of this? Like, we're attached to this because it's really familiar and we become so attached to our lives and to each other. But what if, you know, whatever's on the other side is awesome? Like, oh, Tibetan, awesome. Yeah. like Tibetan Buddhists imagine our essence or our soul or our consciousness or whatever is like a wild Mustang. And during our life, it's tied to the hitching post of our physical body. But what if death actually severs that tether, you know? Know, and we become truly free okay day i'm gonna meet you halfway and say death isn't nothingness you're right it is a rite of passage sure it's a transformation and yes maybe you do transform your your soul into a a, a little pony that's gonna you know become 
God's little pony and he's going to say, my little pony, come right here next to me. <laughs> and you just curl up right here on a cloud yep. and streets of gold and all the rest. Because then you get to spend the rest of your life in worship, in praise, and in complete pain-free love with the creator of the universe day. And that is going to be awesome. And so, yeah, you know, you can say Tibetan this, Tibetan that. But I think I think you're about halfway there. You just need to kind of make the extra step. Uh I don't really like praise and worship. I really don't think it would be heaven to me if it was all praise and worship. Well, then you don't even know what kind of praise and worship it is. It might be totally kind of the music that you do like and you, what do you, you and your weird friends listen to. Okay, good point. But, like, what if our personalities and our egos, you know, like, you know, the ways in which we feel separate from, you know, each other, what if those dissolve when we die and we go back into this like glowing stream of unity and connectedness and understanding and we start to understand that we have all been each other this whole time. Like yeah. like Ram Das says, when I don't know who I am, I serve you. When I know who I am, I am you. Ram Das, who is that? Oh, he's, a, he's like a teacher. Where, at your high school? Yeah. Because he sounds like a druggie or something. I'm going to get, he should be reported. Well, I, he doesn't teach in my high school, but i that's where I learned about him. Okay. Well, I hope he's dead. I don't know, Gray. Like, maybe our very existence is God. Like, maybe God being outside of space and time doesn't experience change. And so, you know, like, wanting to be able to experience change, God has poured itself into this material experience. Like, that's a really interesting idea, actually. Like, if the only way to experience space and time is to become mortal, maybe God put itself into space and time here on our planet and is residing in us. And we have, like, a few moments, maybe here or there, maybe like that some people on psychedelics or whatever, maybe some people meditating or, like, getting to that, like, place that you can you know where you experience that infinity you know that is inside us like that is god we sense it though you know rarely but like what if we, we're fixated on jesus being god in the flesh and we've reduced it down to one person like you know buddha or jesus or muhammad or whatever like one yeah. this one person they saw the workings or the mechanics of this mystery and so everybody looks to that one person and says oh we bow down and worship you because you have a piece of god but what if in reality it's in all of us what if we've been describing ourselves this whole time with these narratives that we've built religions around Day, I can tell you right now, talking to you, God is not in all of us. I mean, I think that's pretty clear. Also, it's God isn't in it, Day. It's a he. And, okay. And he is also Jesus. Okay. And you're not allowed to say all this other stuff that goes against the Bible, okay? Place no other gods before me. You're on thin ice, buddy. Like when Jesus started saying stuff that was against like the orthodoxy or whatever of the church they killed him right like these are threatening ideas to talk about things like freedom and 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 what is divine and we could go back and talk about like death being scary and maybe it is like i've watched someone die my grandpa died in my presence and i held his hand and i watched his final breath and i watched his hand turn really pale so fast without oxygen in his blood and i i think I think a lot now about where he is or what he is or when he is, but I can also tell that my ability to even imagine it is sort of limited to the words I have at my disposal, like where, what, and when those are all words describing being bound by time and space, and maybe he's not anymore. But like, what if, what if there's no heaven or hell or purgatory? What if death is like, 
sometimes I wonder like, what if it's like dreaming where you're stuck in some sort of dimension or reality without a body? Like I hate dreaming because I don't like not having a body, but that's just me. And it's probably just an attachment that's leading to suffering. Honestly, like day. I, okay. I brought you in here just to give you a little pep talk about suicide. Okay. And I'm sorry about your granddad. Thanks. But we know he's in a better place. I yeah. know exactly where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your granddad loved Jesus. He's yeah. with Jesus right now. Okay, so we go to heaven. So, yeah, oh yeah. We definitely go to heaven. Gray, there's no teaching in the Bible that makes that even remotely true, based on the text. And Jesus of Nazareth didn't even have an idea of a soul. That concept came much later. And we talked, when he talked about like the kingdom of heaven, it was part of earth. You know, it's not a paradise in the sky. We've been over this, Gray. The teaching of heaven is another one of those church things, not Bible things. So please go waste time trying to find biblical support for this concept. I never waste time reading the Bible, and I can't wait to come back and show you a hundred places where Jesus did believe in the soul, and Jesus did know that your soul was going to heaven. Okay, have at it. I can't wait to hear. I just don't have my Bible with me right now, Day. It's okay, Gray, to say, like, we have unanswerable questions that come up in this life, and it's hard to think of a void or a complete absence, maybe because there is none, or maybe because, you know, we only have five senses and we only experience three dimensions, you know? Like, we only have these faculties to sense this much stuff, and we only can experience those things in three dimensions. But why would we say there aren't other dimensions behind besides the three that we know you know like i mean uv light isn't detectable to the human eye but bees and butterflies see it they see an amazing spectrum of colors like including ultraviolet colors and would we dare tell a butterfly like hey that's ridiculous you're not seeing ultraviolet just because we can't well now it just looks like you're crazy because you're out there talking to butterflies I think it's just like it's hard for us to imagine and ruminate on things that we can't comprehend, like death. Like, and so we become terrified of it. And think about like our society is so terrified of death that we have outlawed suicide. We're like, that is illegal. No one can do that. And look what we've done to like the funeral experience, even when somebody dies of like quote unquote natural causes. Like, at least in this country, it's a very weird embalming process where we turn someone into this like weird stiff statue of themselves and then we put makeup on it and we don't talk about it and we don't mention death around children. We do not speak about death around kids, which gives it this weird like supercharge. It just becomes this like really charged issue because it's so totally repressed in our society. And because it's so prohibited, we become weirder about it but it's definitely going to happen to every single one of us right like none of us are getting out of here alive so maybe it would help if we kind of like normalize talking about it like talk about death explore it become curious about it but like honestly the church's interpretation of the bible isn't really doing any favors for us when it comes to processing the fact that we're definitely going to die and everyone we love is going to die and the bible says no 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 not here we are the very extra special ones who will overcome death like our leader we call a savior he overcame death and he will conquer it for us as well and as soon as we cross over he will appear and there will be pearly gates and streets of gold and we'll we'll wear crowns and there will be no pain hooray you know like you were saying and i hope it's cool music and not like praise and worship but you know i'm playing a sudoku right now are you done i was just saying that like you think Jesus conquered death and he'll do it for all he of did. us too. But I mean, we hope so, right? <sighs>
God, I just, I have this like headache that I'm getting and I'm not sure why. I know, it gives me a headache too. Like, okay, because check this out. Like, so we have this consciousness, right? Uh, wh whether or not you think our brain is the generator of that consciousness or whether or not you think that our physical body is like an antenna that is picking up this current of consciousness, you know, what? or godness or whatever outside our body. But like, whatever, we have it. And because of that, we can recognize mortality, right? And whether or not that means we'll disappear into nothingness when we die, you know, that's hard to imagine, but you know, uh, maybe there's a bigger conversation in there that can help us. Like it can help us consider what we value. Like instead of turning to like injecting stuff into our faces and dying the protein of our hair follicles to continue to simulate youth, you uh -huh. know, so as not to make anyone else uncomfortable to be around someone who's closer to it, you know, like all of the ages, something that we have in our culture i wonder if it's because we don't like seeing people who are closer to that death thing that terrifies us than the young ones in the room like see like we hate death so much we pretend it's not happening even with our very bodies well i i agree with you there i don't do that i take care of my body botox right i never did i've never done botox you don't do botox no or filler or whatever you call it no but then why doesn't your forehead move? And what about that one time when your lip got really, really big? I'm young. Do, you don't dye your hair? You, you don't uh, do those roots? No. No? no. Day. This is the... Honestly, this is the craziest thing you've said so far. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Speaking of our oh, bodies, yeah. insane. I, speaking of our bodies, I, I want to bring I, I want to bring up shame for a sec because oh great, let's go from suicide to alien to alien consciousness to shame. This is just going great. well. Shame can be a real like um, you know shame can lead to the idea of like suicide and stuff. And honestly, the way I experience shame, it smells it, it sort of like feels like a small death in my body every time it comes through me. Like, but I I've honestly been kind of like affected by there are these like new movements to reduce shame and instead of using it as a tool to control people like think about it in terms of shame culture the shame of sin or slut shaming or the scarlet letter you know the big red a for adultery well there never are, read it it was a bit boring there are new ways in and in, in new ways of looking at it like promoting body positivity and sex positivity like i think 
that actually is something that might be like extremely dangerous for the church because oh, yeah, like definitely. the church peddles in shame you know no. it's it's one of the church's sharpest weapons to keep people regulating themselves with their own self-hatred and to keep them coming back and feeling like they need to be saved like the idea of sin and guilt and shame and needing a savior is central to the idea of jesus like speaking of death think about the redemption of the cross you know god's best idea was to redeem things through actual murder like uh, capital no. punishment no, hanging no, no, a no. human on a cross until they die it was not murder day it was self-sacrifice and guess what if there is something that's going to rip down the church it is definitely a bunch of body positive sluts you know coming here and you know running amok <laughs> so i definitely agree with you there okay cool so yeah god sacrificed his extremely dangerous for the church okay so god sacrificed its son right I mean, the, the, one in the same day, uh, yeah, self-sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's been presented to us as like a beautiful thing, but to offer your child or an animal or anything on an altar, like it's a pretty extreme tactic to employ, wouldn't you say? Like, it's, it's saying that our human standing is so bad that somebody's got to die. Like, blood must be shed. Really? Jesus sacrificed himself, Day. He knew he had to do it. No. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Him sweating blood in the garden saying, please let this cup pass from me. I, he did not want to go through that. And But that is something that a loving heavenly father required. That's brutal. I mean, God made everything, right? Did God make everything gray? Yeah. He made the rules, right? Right. So why is he got to have blood spilt to forgive? Like, yikes. I think it creates way more anxiety in us to know that we are not worthy of God without him having to kill a loved one. A murder makes it possible for him to accept us like like i've mentioned before like the relationships humans have to god uh, the god of the bible at least is an example of a very unhealthy relationship it's called stockholm syndrome when you sort of love your captor but like god's the one who created the conditions for you know us to desperately need him right like um he, he tells us that you know he's actually our only hope for wholeness and wellness and belonging you know we got to come to him and nuzzle into his you know big huge wonderful love but keep in mind it's a love that only extends so far as you stay devoted to him and love and worship him because if you don't you'll burn for all eternity in agony like whoa dude do you want to be in a committed relationship with someone who says if i can't have you heart soul mind and body i'll kill you i mean day i've been in a relationship like that what i mean yeah my my lady friend jay hat she was like really obsessed with me and almost got to that but i had to break up with that it seems to paint an inaccurate picture of what's going on. Like, for instance, the church uses the Bible to explain the human condition as shameful and wrong in its very existence, right? Sin, if you will. We are sinful, if you will. Our very, yeah. our very existence tarnishes the good things of God. And yet, though it is us and our sin condition that disgusts him so that he has to kill someone he still so longs for our love and worship that he creates a pathway to him and all you have to do is believe that you are wrong and sinful and shameful and deserving of punishment and death and this is a love and a relationship we're interested in pursuing like this creator who so deeply longs for our love that he will allow sin and suffering just to know that our love for him is real and we are choosing him freely of our own free will it begs a pretty big question right uh, I don't even know what question. Well, I thought he wanted us to love him freely of our own free will, right? So yeah. choosing to love him because he's awesome and has qualities worthy of worship and all of that um, is 
why we have sin and suffering, why God allows these terrible things to happen, but that doesn't hold up when you introduce the idea of hell. So here's the equation. Number one, God gave us free will to sin so that he'd know we love him of our own free will. But the second part of that is where it breaks down because you can't have that be true and also have created hell to send people to who don't love you. So if you say, love me or be sent to eternal torture, what does that do to the idea of needing us to love him freely? Like with no incentive or with nothing punitive or whatever. Like what do we do to people who say, if you don't love me, I'll kill you. We say, you're a psychopath and we have to lock you up because you're a danger and a menace. Like I think if you take the Lord stories, I think if you take the stories, the point of the character of God in the Bible, like if you take them literally, it creates an extra fear of abandonment like inside of us because, well, because of the multiple times recorded in the Bible where instead of working through difficult relationships and finding understanding and extending compassion, the God of the Bible kicks you out and casts you away if you do not please him and obey him. I want to be a I mean, can you, Gray, can you, can you say that I'm right about that? Listen, listen. Sanctuary for you. How do you feel now, Tay? It's worth noting that if someone requires your obedience, they don't trust you. God kicked Lucifer out of heaven when he didn't comply and obey. He kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden and cursed them for all eternity when they did not comply and obey. I mean, let's not even get into the fact that God put a death tree in there with them. I mean, he cast people out to wander in the desert. His own people, when they didn't behave the way he desired, he killed Lot's wife for even looking at the home she loved. And this is the person we're looking to as perfect love. Trust and obey day. Trust and obey. There is no other way. And guess what? Lot's wife is why we have salt. So... Think about that when you come to eating pizza next time. I do love salt. Yeah, you need it for all I the know. stuff you love. My mom says I put it on too much stuff. I'm going to get high blood pressure. I just, I, I'm sorry that I kind of started going off there because sometimes like my- So is everyone. That's just how my brain works. Like I just start sort of synthesizing all these thoughts and like spewing them out. And I just think like, I don't want to like, I don't want to like- um. Did you ever think sometimes you're sounding a bit like an atheist robot? Hmm? No, I do. Yeah, a bit. But I know you're not an atheist because you love Jesus and Christ specifically. I think there's so much valuable stuff in the Bible. I just think there are other ways to use it in ways that are helpful and not harmful. Like, I feel like a lot of my mom's, you know, crushing anxiety comes from taking the Bible so literally and having to do these mental gymnastics to sort of straddle these things that don't really work if you take them literally. Because even if you say like, okay, I wasn't trying to say bad stuff about God by the fact that, you know, the God of the Bible tends to cast people out when they don't like obey. Um, But like, if you look at it in another way, it can kind of make sense if we apply it to ourselves, like because sometimes we cast people out. We like excommunicate each other and it makes life really painful. So maybe like, are these stories where God casts people away when they displease him? Like, are they examples to help us understand that when we move in the direction of freedom, 
we will be cast out from the people who want to keep us in cages. Like someone says, I'm gay and they're sent packing from the church. But like, think about when Jesus said like, okay, forget all the laws and the rules and regulations, make love your highest value. Like what happened? They killed him. So like, I don't know. It feels like in my short lifetime, there's been a bit of a feeling of like freedom starting to emerge. Like say with this stuff we're talking about, like, you know, maybe thinking like your body is good and you're good and decent and you're an important part of the fabric of creation and you have value in your new uniqueness. You know, the fact that you're alive is really great and, and you have worth and, and you're fundamentally good. Like if people start thinking about themselves that way, they won't fit in well at church, you know, like acceptance of oneself and of each other it's like kryptonite to shame and shame is the thing that makes people seek community and help and belonging in the church a lot of times or you know what maybe it's not that we're fundamentally good and unique and worthy and significant maybe we're wildly insignificant like we are one little speck on one little tiny planet in the cosmos like but if we are God incarnate and our bodies will return to dust and the current of our consciousness or the energy of our life force or whatever, if it continues on in, in limitlessness, you know, like that, that infinity symbol, it signifies eternity, like in mathematics, but also metaphorically, it, it represents love. And, and Jesus said it's all love, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. Love, love. It's all about love and all the rest of the stuff that you just said. Who cares? All the, all the, all the other stuff, because it is about love. Love is the opposite of death. Jesus is love, and I don't think your mom is anxious. I think that is crazy. I've never heard her be anxious about anything. So, don't worry about that. She tries to stay glasses half full, but I, I, I I'm happy we're talking about love because well, glasses like, half full because she filled it back up. Day. Yeah, I think... And Jesus fills up the other side. Actually, I think it's kind of cool that we came around, in this conversation, we came around to love, actually. Like, all the stories that came from, like, people making phone calls before the, you know, planes hit the t Twin Towers or went down in the Pentagon, like, all the calls people sent out from that plane, they were messages of love, you know? Like, in the face of death, they realized it was it was all yeah, they, about yeah, love. Yeah, actually, just describing the opening of love, actually... Oh. I've seen it's one of my favorite movies. You don't have to, you just plagiarizing love actually. Oh, I have should you heard of that movie? Yeah, my mom likes that movie. I, I, I'm, I wasn't allowed to watch it because one of the storylines has a sex scene in it. Okay, well, you weren't even around during 9 11. I was barely around. How old were you on 9 11? They, what we're talking about is love, and I yeah. think that's right. And you know whose motto has love in it is, um, it's sort of the essence of the LGBTQIA plus community. It's love. Like the essence of the Christian story is supposed to be love too. But because like in Mark 12, Jesus tells his followers very plainly to love the Lord their God. That might mean love yourself because then he follows it up with love your neighbor as you love yourself against those things. There is no law. So like evidently to Jesus, he wanted the world to know his followers by the amount of love that they lavish on themselves and the world. And you know, in my lifetime, would you say that the Christian community has been defined that way? Like totally. Would you say that love is the fruit falling off of the church's tree? Yes. Because Jesus told us to abandon 
any law that does not promote love and love who you love is the slogan for the lgbtqia plus community not the church like the church community is known for the phrase love the sinner hate the sin like they actually have the word hate in a slogan that's supposed to be about love and uh, i think we also say love god love people true but you know, like the church has completely rejected the opportunity to follow jesus instructions to toss out law in favor of love like they've embraced law they say sorry not sorry but the bible is very clearly homophobic and by embracing that law we are homophobic and we have become you know the the base that undergirds a political party attempting to create actual laws banning types of people i said we not we are not going to talk politics day i said we're going to talk about suicide okay but if love is the law of the land for christians you'd think that they'd be the ones protesting these like GOP governors and fighting for the protection of parents and medical workers providing loving care for trans kids like rather than using the most vulnerable among us as a as pawns in a culture war like you can't claim that love is your highest value and be against your fellow humans for being honest about who they are like you can't vote against their rights and their protections and claim that you abide by a message of love we do love those people we just don't love what they love and we don't like what they love so they shouldn't love that mm. Yeah, because at its essence, the church functions as a sexual regulatory society. Like, so any amount of sex positivity is going to be a massive threat. You're basically saying, like, are you going to be in a camp that says, sorry, not sorry, but those type of people are wrong? Like, you don't want to start saying people are wrong for being who they are, do you? Like, Hitler and the Nazis were against certain people existing. It's, I don't, I don't think it's, it's dangerous to be against what they do and what they stand for. And you can be wrong in that. I feel like my generation and the younger generations are they're going to turn some of that off. Like the the binary may fall to the wayside as we become more godlike. Like maybe, you know, we won't keep returning to the spigot of shame and dread and fear and self-loathing. Like, you know, believing that this space and time are all there is. Like it'd be nice to make peace with our human forms while we're in them, right? Oh, I'm definitely at peace with the day. I've got I've got an eight pack. And I'm shredded and my body looks great. And when it dies, I know that it won't matter because it's my soul is also shredded and it's going to heaven. <laughs> That's awesome. I, thanks for talking to me, Gray. And I just want to mention uh, one more thing because then I have to go pick up my sister at Sbarro. Which sister is that? Uh, my sister who works at Sbarro Pizza. But I just wanted to mention, um, because it keeps popping in my head, like, the more I've learned, like, from the Me Too movement and from the ba Black Lives Matter movement, like, the more I've learned that we miss so much when we center ourselves in the story. Like, I do this sometimes when I mess up my friend's pronouns and then I make it about me and how it's hard for me to train my brain to speak, you know, differently. And, or, or like, I feel like a lot of white people do it, you know, just to their, like to, to black people a lot. Like they say, Hey, things aren't that bad. Like cops are good. They protect our wealth. They don't kill us. And like, meanwhile, black people are being murdered by cops in alarming numbers. Like, but if, if we aren't careful and thoughtful, like we, because humans are storytelling creatures right like 
we as storytellers, we tend to default into centering ourselves in the story. And like, if you look at the evangelical devotion to taking the Bible literally, like, whoa, talk about centering yourselves in the story. Look at the story of God and creation we've told. We are so completely centered. Like, there's this all-powerful creator, the God of the entire universe, the whole cosmos, everything outside of time, this infinite, amazing source of, of life. And, and when we tell this story, you know, he, God, and I'm using the male pronoun mindfully because, you know, the church calls him father and we're pretty much gender him as male, like you've been saying this whole time. But, Thank you. but anyway, in our telling of the story, of the God story, he is so totally into you know, like loving us specifically, we humans, like above any other beings, you know, on this little blue planet in the cosmos, like he is so totally obsessed with having our love and getting our worship and adoration and devotion, you know, that he'll kill his kid or kill himself and create a path of redemption and make a way for us to be with him forever. Like, I mean, why us? Like, why is this deity so obsessed with us? Like, oh, because we're the ones telling the story, but like, what if, you know, it's just that, like, we're the ones telling the story. We're the ones writing the Bible. We're the ones interpreting the Bible. We're the ones telling these stories in Sunday school and reading these books to our kids at bedtime. Like, so we center ourselves in the story. Like God made us in God's image. Well, maybe that means we are him. And I'm just saying, like, maybe just maybe we have turned the God force into a guy in the sky when really we're talking about us. We are the thing. We are capable of creating things, of casting things out, of, of forgiving or re rescuing or reconciling and even dying. Like maybe we've been talking about us this whole time. Oh my goodness. I want to die. You want to die? Are you having suicidal ideation, Gray? No. I just want to kill myself, though. De Labonte was played by none other than Holly Laurent. You can hear her every single week on this podcast playing Holly Labonte. Gray Haas was played by Greg Hess. Follow us and Mega the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you really want to get out of hell free card, support us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes.